I was missing a great sporting event. All right, welcome back to Make Room for Sports. Uh, I am so excited for this episode, fellows. Um, I have with me, I'm going to say, I'm going to introduce Mike first. Mike, you never get introduced first. All right, are you ready for this? Okay, well, that went well. Sorry, you guys um, can right now something, I lost my audio, so bear with me. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we're off to a good start here, folks. Uh, episode 723. Uh, we're ah, beginning. I'm back, here I am. Okay, there we go. Mike, Mike Lochran is with us in the house. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, I just cracked open a Bell's Two-Hearted Ale. I lost control of my headphones, but they're back on. I'm ready to rock. Good energy. Do you have a, do you have a baby there? Not yet. Okay. I don't think I do. Why? Does it sound I, like that? I just feel like you're doing like a hybrid version of yourself in Macau right now. <laughs> right. Uh, no, I don't have any babies. Uh, my girlfriend is here because she Airbnbs her place out and stays here. So she's in the other room. Um, but she's like pretty mature. She's not a baby. Uh, yeah, I mean, good save. Good save, Mike. Oh, wow. Um, Dave uh, and Dave Dominique, of course. I'm going to, so you be 50% Macau and I'll be 50% Macau. Let's make this as hard as possible for Simon. Yeah, we Perfect. benched Macau this week. Um, I was benched last week. This week, Macau's benched uh, just due to, you know, uh, the vagaries of our existences. Uh, but I listened to last week's episode, uh, which might be one of the first times I've ever listened to one of our episodes. And we are the best sports podcast in existence. Sports. Like, it's, it's irrefutable. Yeah, um, I almost left us a review, and then I was like, "Ah, that's like that's I can't do that." That's like, we no. did get a new review that I hadn't I hadn't noticed. Like at the beginning of the month, we got a new one. Someone reviewed our podcast. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, we... I don't know who it is, but yeah, it was good. We got another good one. Can we pull it up and read it? Oh, we also got a um, a golden mic. It was delivered um, to my house on on Wednesday. I just forgot to let you guys know. Oh, well, yeah, you know, keep us posted uh, as as the accolades come pouring in. Uh, we did. Li- I did list your address uh, on all the kind of registration and trademarks and stuff. Oh. Uh, we missed you last week, Simon. It's nice to hear your uh, nice to hear your voice again. That's friendship. Yeah, look, I'm not gonna lie, guys. Yeah. I didn't sleep like at all last night for some reason, and I'm like completely exhausted, and and my brain keeps making like poor decisions. Great. What's going? Um, <laughs> what's, what's going on, man? What's going on? I here? don't know. I don't know. I just couldn't. Uh, you know, it's. Um, I, I had a martial arts class until like midnight last night, and then I just couldn't like you know if you work out until like midnight, sometimes you just can't get to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just kind of like tossed and turned and thought about the podcast and thought about what we we're going to say and whether or not we we're going to let the listeners down and what was going on in sports. And I just like you know the sun came up, and next thing I know, it's noon and it's time to record. And then and then we're a little late. We're a little late uh, because you had to drive to find Wi-Fi, and then you forgot to bring your computer. <laughs> Which is, yeah. I mean, the listeners should know that every time they hear us record, it's always at least 30 minutes later than scheduled. And, and at least three of us are upset about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, at least three of us are like, guys, I, re- I made plans today. At least um, one of us is, like, panicked and sort of sweaty and, like, kind of, like, feeling harassed because they had to do yeah. a bunch of stuff, like, drive across town three times to, I don't know. Yeah, find they made- they made like promises that they were gonna like spend time with their significant other like sometime that weekend. <laughs> um, Dave, what happened with your the stolen Wi-Fi from the diner? It it wore out. They caught on. You know, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with it. It's been pretty spotty lately, so I don't I don't know if moving forward that's gonna be a viable option. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll start um, a Patreon to get Dave Wi-Fi. Oh, cool. Um, and then, um, I mean, it's, you know, it might as well. It's, a, it's actually like the only thing we, we won't do is see most podcasts, like when they start like a Patreon, they're like, here are bonus like subscriber only episodes, but we are like 
so barely able to deliver the one free episode a week um, that it's become like really pretty uh, Sisyphean at times. Um, yep. And so we can't do that. We have nothing to offer. But what we do have to offer is maybe like slightly better audio quality of Dave's voice. Um, we, so. we do right now. I don't know because because at home I, I use a real microphone and now I'm going through the uh, the Apple earbuds. No, you sound pretty good actually. Yeah, it sounds good. It sounds yeah. good. Thank you. Yeah. That's friendship. Yeah, maybe this is like a reveal yeah. that like like Skype just makes everything so crappy anyway that like all our fancy mics don't matter. I like the idea of Dave as like a, a tenure track professor who's about to spend most of his summer in Europe, but like can't afford Wi-Fi. <laughs> and like I, I like already too. have tenure at my college, and I refuse. I maybe I guess yeah. I'll be honest. I can't afford cable, and that's why I never. I, I can't watch the Sixers. And um, <laughs> yeah, Simon true. is like a very successful Hollywood figure. But he has to live in a crime-ridden neighborhood where there's always sirens going around and doesn't have central air in his apartment. Well, that's, that's all true. Um, yeah, it's all but, true. But yeah, that I mean... It might be a stretch, yeah, but go ahead. <laughs> Let's get personal. Well, you know, I, 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 guess I could actually probably move... Uh, what? You live in one of the nicest neighborhoods in... Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I do, I do. Uh, you know, the... Um, Two people have been shot uh, within a block of me in the last six months and, and, really? ki and killed. Yeah, uh, yeah. The gas station uh, block away from me was robbed, and they, the the guy got murdered. And um, some. Um, oh my god! And then a guy on the same block as me got shot by the police um, a few what? months ago. Yeah. Your neighborhood is like really beautiful and awesome, though. I, it's an old um, Dave. I think the trope of Simon's neighborhood on the podcast is probably. I think it was from like the, the first couple episodes because there kept ah. being sirens in the background. So we started oh, saying. Yeah. Yeah, Simon it's just because I live on like a busy street. Um, and, yeah. But, but yeah, and then I was walking home the other night and some guy was just like, I just got mugged. And I was like, oh, like, do you need me to call the cops? He's like, no, I already did. And I was like, <laughs> uh, like kind of, why are, you, why are you telling me this, bro? Weird. It was kind of like, he just, I guess he was like yeah. stressed out and having like, any, like you know, needed to share. Um, right. I'm just saying weird because I'm surprised that there's so much crime in that neighborhood. Yeah, I don't even know. If, I mean, I, you know, I don't, I, I feel safe. Um, but I also uh, never leave my apartment for any reason. <laughs> so you know like I, I feel safe when i open the door like a crack to accept like food um yeah through through the weird like hyperbolic slot system the hannibal lecter-esque like drawer that, that, that i've arranged so yeah um i don't know this is gonna be a rough episode because um because we have an outline and it's literally all macau <laughs> <laughs> it's all macau uh wait actually uh i just noticed that someone revised our outline by just crossing out um, six out of seven items on it. You yeah, know, I got it's another thing too that I, I just remembered, which is that last week we only got to like maybe one fourth of the outline, and I think we, there's a lot of stuff on there that did we you can guys, oh, right, Did yeah. we talk about the NBA draft being rigged? We did. Yeah, we mentioned that so. we think it is. Okay. Yeah. Did we? So we proved it. <laughs> I mean, I think I think that passes muster for yeah for for our criteria for proving something. Yeah, I think we proved it. Okay. Yeah. Do we feel like um, now that it's down to the Cavs versus the Warriors, uh, I guess that that series begins next week. Um, do we feel that the NBA is just overall rigged? Let's analyze it. And also, uh, who are we rooting for? In the finals? Yeah, because uh, I think it is. I uh, I'm at the point where I I was betting on the Rockets to go all the way uh, this year, as as you guys know, um, mm -hmm. and I'm willing to say that all games are fake it's like it's like wrestling um and it's just uh yeah and i don't know why i feel that but that's how what, i feel what counts as evidence for that um hmm 
Is it just your gut? Your gut. Well, you know, as 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 you noted, I, I work in Hollywood, and we're big on remakes and reboots. And I can't help hmm. but notice that NBA Championship 2017 is a reboot of NBA's Championship 2016. Which was a reboot of NBA Championship 2015. Yeah, they found a formula mm. that works, and they're sticking to it, and they won't let anything rock that because um because it's making money for them. So, so I they, mean, yeah, because, not only I mean there is evidence. I mean they're they're like, for example, like probably the most um, helpful or like high value, high potential free agents that were available um, towards towards the trade deadline. Um, were who oh. Andrew Bogut, like Darren Williams, or I guess those guys weren't free agents. Oh no, they did. They they got released. So Andrew Bogut, uh, Darren Williams, Kyle Korver, they all went to the Cavaliers, and the Cavaliers were struggling at the time. And the NBA probably did not want to see um, a Celtics Warriors final. Like they just weren't interested in, in that because the Warriors would just destroy them. Um, and then on the other side, obviously you have the Warriors getting like the best player in the league, <laughs> like you know. Um, Kevin Durant last year in free agency. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's rigged. Well, and the fact that every player that didn't want to go to the Cavs or the Warriors was assassinated um, <laughs> was like a troubling event, I thought. But, you know, we don't really talk about that as much. Um, do we, I don't know. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm just so tired today. I, I, I'm just fine just like complaining about my life for like 50 minutes. But, but the listeners have made it clear that they want real sports info all the time. I got something interesting that's like a hybrid between real sports info and just kind of like brazen speculation. I'm, Great. I'm in. So it's kind of, it's it's a weird thing how, how uh, like a common wisdom has seeped into the ether that if, that Lonzo Ball is going to definitely get drafted by the Lakers. Yeah. There's actually no evidence that the Lakers want to draft Lonzo Ball. Like, Lakers haven't said anything about that. We're really just going off of LeVar Ball saying that he'll only play for the Lakers and the Lakers fans wanting him to play on the Lakers and the fact that he played for UCLA. That's about it. It's all like this like, hyper-circumstantial speculative evidence. And so I'm wondering... If if Lonzo Ball doesn't go to the Lakers, if the Lakers select, for example, like Josh Jackson or De'Aaron Fox, which would be totally reasonable, um, what's going to happen to Lonzo Ball? And Don't Ball? drop the ball. That's a great question. Uh, I've been kind of intrigued by the assumption that, like, I mean, I, I live in Los Angeles, and outside of Albro's commentary, like, I wasn't really aware that, like, he had a local following that was like desperate to keep him here in LA. Cause that's really what it is. It's like, he's a star on UCLA's team. And so they wanted to be a star on like the other Los Angeles team. Right. Like that's totally. That's and he it. has like a, he has like the showtime type of quality. Like he, he kind of passes like magic Johnson. Like he, it feels like he, like he would be a good continuation of what the Lakers are known for. And there's mm. also just like a basic cultural awareness of the fact that we kind of want players like that to go to a historically great franchise. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to, I think just as a culture, we don't want to lose Lonzo Ball to like Sacramento right? Or, or, you know, like you want, you want them in, yeah, you want them in like a premier franchise. It's really interesting because like the Lakers are, are a really good repository for players with, with big personalities. Um, yeah. And uh, and like we, it's hard to describe Lonzo Ball as having like any personality at all. But he definitely has like a lot of drama around him. So it'd be like a natural home for someone like that to, to play in L.A. Right. right. I think Mikal pointed this out in one of our text threads. But that is the most intriguing thing to me about Lonzo Ball is that uh, I would not exist. I wouldn't recognize him if he was right in front of me. 
Right. Like, like, and I've never heard him say anything. Um, I'm not aware of anything about him. And in fact, overall, uh, my fevered brain right now is is making some weird association between our obsession with um, college athletes and just like our obsession, our kind of overall cultural obsession with college students, period, which has become kind of a weird thing in the last couple of years where like... Um, a lot of like conservative political outrage has been based on like uh you know what college students are doing but like i think someone i don't know lowenhofen or someone on twitter wrote a good article that was like we we shouldn't care what college students think about anything and i know what you i know that maybe you guys well mike you have tenure you can you can join me on this but like <laughs> when i was a college student like if anyone like really cared what i thought about anything i, I would have been like no nah, like you're making a poor choice like I'm definitely an idiot. Yeah, and it just really comes into play when we get evaluations. Like, actually, the way that my teaching is is evaluated, like the primary way is is through just like the random musings of of like my totally. Oh, I don't want to wait. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're totally, I forgot, I forgot you're totally brilliant public. and unique students yeah, um, who are all uh, individually all right, I, I, good okay. people. Yeah. Well, there awesome. is something especially so strange. So smart and curious. There's something. <laughs> um. Yeah, Dave, it's hard to get you to shut up talking about how much you love your students and how, how like unique they all are. Like Sometimes we just have to mute you on this podcast. Um, but yeah, there, there's something uniquely weird about like a city or a, fran a sports franchise who um, like stake their entire existence on the shoulders of more and more like a 19-year-old kid um, who like isn't even done growing yet. You know what I mean? Like a guy like... Um, a guy like Lonzo Ball, like again, if you saw him on the street, he's not even like an imposing figure. He's not even. It yeah. doesn't even look like he's done like becoming a person yet. Well, right. that's just it. It's not just like a nineteen-year-old kid because I mean, it's a nineteen-year-old kid who spent most of his life uh, like like throwing balls at a basket, yeah. and like and like like therefore you know is is probably yeah very much still figuring it out and so i mean yeah i don't know i mean i am I'm, I'm really excited not for alonzo ball to play for the lakers or, or any team actually um but for him to become like a weird uh a weird guy in his like 40s oh he's gonna become a really weird guy like tiger woods yeah. what i'm excited for is uh is to read you this quote by uh by earl woods tiger woods's father because um LeVar Ball, you know, gets all this flack for for being uh, for just like overstating things and just being so flamboyant and and, and like possibly um, like and, hurting his kids and and possibly having slightly less than fully progressive views about women. But go on, yeah. Well, I kind of want to I kind of want to go back to that and review that. Um, oh, all right, that all right. That's, that's a, there's a flag on that play, but let's let's move on for now. Um, this is so. Uh, so I heard I heard one of our competitor podcasts talking about like would would could Earl Woods like 1996 Earl Woods even survive um, in today's media with like the hyper attention on every little thing if he had Twitter or something like that. Here's a quote from Earl Woods from 1996: Tiger will do more than any man than any other man in history to change the course of humanity. <laughs> that's great oh. <laughs> I, I feel like so i feel like compared to him like lavar ball is like rather modest <laughs> yeah that's actually like, a, a wonderful point and 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 yeah and how does it affect you when your parents are like saying stuff like that about you i mean i don't know what i don't know uh dave i haven't met your family mike mike i i obviously am uh like like a like a fraternity brother to your both your parents but um like i mean my parents are just like 
happy that I'm alive. <laughs> like, like, and, and that I'm not like a continual, like that I don't, that I'm not like a financial burden on them and that I'm like basically okay and can feed myself. Like sure. they don't, they, there was no point at which like I had any expectations. I mean, I think they were pretty happy that I graduated from college. Um, <laughs> and, and honestly, from that point on, it was just like, if I was able to like more or less support myself, they don't care. Like from that, as long as that's the bar for me. So when you're, father is doing interviews saying that you're going to change the course of human history yeah. with, with your remarkable golf game yep. um i mean like what does that do to your brain like you like you know you either are like oh that's really embarrassing like dad can you stop doing that um or or you're like yeah that's true yeah i'm like I, and and then isn't everything kind of a disappointment from that point on yeah, I'm like you, Simon. I think, you know, my parents, like, they had a lot of pride in me, but I think the bar was pretty low. Yeah, <laughs> yeah my parents are really proud of me, to be, to be clear, but they also are, but I mean, I, I mean, my father listens to the podcast, so, you know, I, I, he's one, of, I think he represents, like, 20 to 30% of our listeners any given week. Um, so, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, you know, I have to be careful, but I think, um, I think they really wouldn't care if I was doing anything for a living that made me happy whatsoever, like, right. you know, as long as I was, like, able to keep a roof over my head. Definitely. For me, the interesting question is, like, what do you do if you're a parent and you know that your kid has some, like, what if you're 100% sure that your kid is Lonzo Ball or Tiger Woods? Um, hmm, no, that's a good question. So, because, like, for us, like, none of us demonstrated any, like, world-breaking physical gift at age 10 but had we then like what does a parent do and then the other thing i'm interested in is like whether or not these are like the trope of the like the sport dad is is well explored and i think especially the trope of the basketball dad is well explored and especially the trope of the like the african-american basketball dad who um is like attempting to sort of steer his kid through a system that if he isn't steered will be like totally exploited in other ways and in, in much worse ways or the and tennis the, dad uh, for the williams exactly sure. yeah and so these are dads in particular it's like the ones that we're talking about um who seem to like understand how media works and are just like are have just sort of jumped in so that their kids don't get run roughshod over because their kids are like once in a generation talents and so I think the ball family is going to be great for basketball. I hope that um, I say that as a person who doesn't watch like any ESPN. So I feel like maybe if I was part of that news cycle, I might already be kind of tired of it. But just as someone who I think about once a week for 10 minutes on this podcast, I'm really happy about it. Well, it is interesting that some people just flat out have a innate understanding of kind of like modern publicity. And I would say LeVar Ball, uh, like him or hate him and i truly don't think he cares if people like him or hate him he just wants people to know him and his family and he's brilliant at it but but to be honest i don't um i'm new to the sports thing uh as 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 the listeners know and uh and i actually am the phenomenon of the sports dad uh or or parent um though it does seem to be dad's um is actually one that i'm unfamiliar with and i'm very curious about it like like you know were the ball children like did, was he like making them shoot hoops when they were like toddlers? I actually want to know if their name is really Ball. Doesn't that seem like it's too good Don't to be true? Drop the ball. I want to know how many how many kids like he, he euthanized many... before he got like the really good ones. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, how many kids he went through? Yeah. Well, that's what I want to know, too, is, yeah, I mean, they can't all have turned out this good. You can't just have, like, three for three. There's got to be, like, there's got to be, like, a bunch of tiny little gravestones in the backyard. Yeah. Um, like, for, in baseball, if you hit 300, that's great. So, that means somewhere there's seven dead kids. Seven dead kids, for sure. And, yeah. uh, but, no, I mean, I really do wonder, like, how do you train, how do you train your kids to become sports stars? And, and was, was LeVar Ball himself a basketball player? I mean, like, like in college a, or anything? A very mediocre one. Yeah, he played, like, junior college basketball. Oh, uh, well, that kind of explains it, then. He's kind of like one of these pageant moms who, like, are, like, failed actresses or whatever. Yep. It's okay. exactly that. Okay. Um, did but again, like, again, back to my point that, like, if it weren't for, if the dad isn't the one steering that ship, then, like, some totally corrupt person who is, like, some shitty AAU coach who is getting, like, $200,000 a year from Adidas to put sneakers on 16-year-olds is going to be doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. But it's also a path that... um that you know it, it it's 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 a long shot like a, a career in sports like a career in kind of any other like industry where the players are you know have have kind of a very narrow chances of of being professionally successful is is you know something that i don't know i i have mixed feelings i mean that's what i actually was going to, was going to say about my childhood is that i think my parents would have been like they're very happy that i make a living the way that i do but i think you know, they would have rather I went for something that was a safer bet early in my career, sure. probably. You know, sure. such as like like um, you know, lawyer or um, insurance salesman. Which, by the way, I would have been uh, great at both those. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, like I don't know. It's it's I have I have mixed feelings. But um, did we want to go back to uh, Lavar Ball's uh, alleged misogyny? Uh, and I say that uh, with full awareness that I was the one who was alleging it. I feel um, like I feel like you'd be a scary good insurance salesman. Well, yeah, you look good in a suit. No, I I feel like uh, I can't kind of s- talk fast and like make yeah. good points and stuff. And I don't know. You yeah, could, like you, you, you could like if you wanted to, you could definitely like sort of belittle people in a subtle enough way that it wouldn't be obvious, but would make them sort of you know second guess themselves. Yeah, Simon is always nagging us on the air all the time. I'm getting a little emotional because this is the nicest thing you guys have ever said about me. <laughs> is that like I could sell you insurance? Can I? Yeah. That's friendship. No, actually, I think I'd be terrible yeah. at it because I, I hate the idea of like selling things to people and like exploiting people. But I think I'd be, um, well, I don't know. I, I I think I'd be an okay lawyer because I like um, I like uh, arguing with people and I like claiming that I'm just a small town fellow uh, <laughs> here in the big city, which is what yeah, because you can rely do. on your on yeah. your small town roots. Yeah, exactly. I, can, I like I, the idea of your aptitude clashing with your ethics as an insurance salesman. <laughs> Well, I have, I, I mean, uh, you know, if we want to talk, uh, if we want to talk single payer, I, you know, I think, um, you know, the insurance industry is largely um, the bane of every American's existence. Um, oh, I, but didn't, I, didn't say, I didn't say we wanted to talk about that. <laughs> you, you, you implied it. You, you implied it. Um, but yeah. Okay. Well, we'll move no, on. I, I agree. I agree. I just, I just got a, a bill from Delta Dental. That's like, I just, I can't even read it. It's for like way more money than I think I should be paying. It's like, why do I even have insurance? Yeah, it sucks. Oh, Delta Dental. Yeah. I mean, so I've only it had. Fucking suck. I'm even playing for the premium one right now. This is so boring. No, huh. this is. I, I think this is what the listeners want to hear. Uh, <laughs> Based on listening to the last episode just as a listener, I kind of am now the expert. Um, no, I mean, look, I've only had uh, dental insurance as an adult for the last, like, three or four years since I joined uh, the WGA. And, like, I treat going to the dentist. I think my dentist gets a little freaked out by me because, like, I treat it like a spa treatment, kind of. I'm just like, oh, boy, like, I can't believe, like, I, I don't have to pay, like, a bunch of money for this. Yeah, I had, like, an ER visit back in uh, 2007 that had a $16,000 bill. What? Um, yeah, sixteen thousand dollars, and um, 
And what I did was I was so broke that I was actually able to apply for charity. Um, I went to Cedar sinai and they actually like look like they actually looked at my bank records and stuff, but it was such a tedious process. And it was just like, Oh, I think I remember that story. Yeah. If I didn't have like the tools to, um, to like, if I didn't have like the weird kind of bureaucratic acumen, uh, that I had, which mostly came from, uh, you know, doing PI work and stuff. I, I mean, I would have, I, I would have paid that off, I guess, maybe in the last year or two. But it's I mean, all pretend money too. Like they bill you sixteen thousand dollars, and then if you have insurance, the insurance company just barters, and then they lower it to something, and well, then the insurance was, company pays most of it. It's really weird. Well, that was the thing. Sixteen thousand yeah. dollars was with uh, insurance. Oh, I see. Yeah, I had bad insurance. Uh, the, the the company that I used to work for, I had insurance through them. Uh, you it was had like, like opposite insurance where they, you had to pay more. Well, no, I think like my your insurance card and it doubled the price. I think the original bill was was like thirty k, and then some, for some reason, like my, it was like the amount I owed was only sixteen k, which you know it's like it's just like well. I guess I'm going to go kill myself. And there's a lot of evidence that debt itself is not good for your health. Um, there's a there's a professor at the University of Austin who writes interesting. Inter I I think I'm. Let's get back to some sports. Yeah, we oh, got about like, wait. five seconds for this. <laughs> yeah, wait. Um, so let's let's just, we'll just bail on that one. That's a bail. And um, and really what? quickly, uh, do we want to talk about what, whether women can be ballers? Which was Lavar Ball's controversial statement. Uh, oh, okay. No, all right. Yeah, uh, that, right. that I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take issue with. I thought right because when I think about his misogyny, I think about the way in which he was engaging uh, with that reporter. Oh, yeah. Well, that was, I mean, nah, I mean, you know, I, I didn't actually watch it, so I have no idea. I just thought, like, I was just like, well, look, if there's one tenant that is like the core of our beliefs on this podcast, it's that women can be ballers. <laughs> right. We've, we have yet to have one on our show, uh, but that's merely... That's not true. Uh, Mikkel's wife, Mikkel's wife uh, is on the show. That's right. That's and right. And that is not tokenism. No, and, not, not at all. <laughs> and my niece sang the theme song last week. Oh True. yeah, which was excellent. Yeah, good. good. So. Uh, yeah, and Mikel claimed Mikel has a new NBA song for us, but uh, but he's not he's not here this week. All right, guys, do we have any plays of the week? Top plays of the week. I have a bunch. I have. Oh, I'm going to do oh, a bunch great. in really rapid fire. I don't have anything to mind. say about any of them, but I'll just do. Yeah. I'll do them really quickly. Number one play of the week goes to me because uh, I brought my mom to a Phillies game for Mother's Day. Oh. We went. Uh, we went to the game on Wednesday. Uh, pretty good game. I sent you guys some pictures. Uh, it was foggy, rainy. Nobody was there. We had a good time. Walked around the outfield. Um, oh, yeah. I got to see some relievers warming up up close. That was kind of cool. When it's that rainy and depressing, does everyone have, like, umbrellas? And they have umbrellas so, or, like, ponchos or whatever, yeah. Yeah, because umbrellas probably block the person's view. You can't really wear an umbrella. Did you wear a poncho or an umbrella? I wore a raincoat because I am a mm -hmm. really good, like, survivalist. Yeah, you're so a serious have, fan. So I own a raincoat, <laughs> so I wore that. I have, uh, um, I have two raincoats. Uh, it never rains in L.A. Uh, mm. And when we went to go do Blair Witch, where it rained for the entire shoot, uh, I it turned out one of my raincoats, the raincoat that I brought, the fashionable one, was not a raincoat. It was, in fact, just a coat, and I thought it was a raincoat uh, because I'd never been in serious rain before, and it soaked immediately through, and I was miserable uh, for the entire time. And then I got a new raincoat, and I realized that it's actually like a real thing, and they're actually very good. And they're better than umbrellas because then you have both hands free, and you can walk on crowded sidewalks. Yeah, That's a little raincoats. bit of a... Um, this, is, this is just a hint sponsors of what we can give you on, our, on this podcast like, like um, here, yeah. okay. shout out to raincoats.com uh, <laughs> if i could remember the brand of the raincoat that was actually water resistant i would um 
No, yeah. I still wouldn't say it. They don't, they haven't given us any money. They can go to no. hell. Fuck them. Yeah, yeah. screw them. Um, so yeah, that's a play. Another play of the week is to Deron Williams of the Cavs, who had that good game in whatever that was, game five, I guess. The game that was it, Dave. Was that the game they? It was game five when the Cavs clinched, and that guy, the old guy, scored a bunch of points. Darren, uh, when Darren, uh, yeah, oh yeah, Darren Williams. Right, right, right. I'd never heard of him before. Um, oh but yeah, no, he's he. We Darren are, Williams um, came into this to the league the same year as Chris Paul, and um, was okay. pretty much just as good as Chris Paul for the first few years of his career. He was on Utah, okay. and then uh, the Nets acquired him for like a lot of money. Okay, and, <laughs> like because that's what the Nets do, and then he got fat. Um, right. Stop being any good at all, and right. then um, the Cavaliers basically got him for free. Like <laughs> the um, well, it says here, he's 32, which is old. Yeah, and very old. He's from West Virginia, which is a place. Mm. Um, and on the podcast, we're always big fans of like old fat athletes because those are like the athletes we can most relate to. <laughs> yeah, the only role uh, models we we're still so, kind of clinging to. Yeah, yeah. So like all the headlines that next day were like old old codger darren williams <laughs> manages to like get his brutal bones onto the court and score some points so i like that story i thought that was a good one um yeah. then so his play um, so that's not a specific his, his, his like specific play was like not dying yeah yeah that's okay. been okay. as a headline old man darren williams can still play a little <laughs> yeah they were all like that and even like the non-snarky headlines still essentially said like hallelujah he's still alive it's really um, weird he's younger than lebron i mean he's younger yeah he's younger than a lot of people but okay yeah i don't yeah, know why so he's him that way. <laughs> older i mean maybe yeah maybe age isn't in that sense it's not like a numerical thing but it's a yeah. it's more like a spiritual assessment well, I, think what, I think what happened is he pretty much peaked like in 2010 for some reason and it's just kind of been on a downhill i'm looking at his head his uh, statistics right now and like he's pretty much gone down in points per game and assists per game every year since 2010 so yeah and he at Dave. He was at one point like uh, people thought he was going to be good. Oh, Darren Williams was. I mean, he was. Uh, he was. He and Chris Paul were the top two young point guards in the league. Um, in in like I don't know from like probably 2007 to 2011. Oh. Like yeah, he was the equivalent of like what Russell Westbrook is now. Like he was. Well, no, that's yeah. that's not, that's an exaggeration. But he was he was a top point guard. Yeah. Okay. We might start um, like collecting names of players like that, like uh, busted. You know, players that were a bust because I think they might be sort of spiritual mascots mm. of the podcast, also. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then my third play is uh, if you guys want to watch it, it's really quick. It's on, like, right now, if you go to Deadspin, it's one of the featured stories on the left. And the headline is Weird Minor League Strikeout, likely the most bizarre you have ever seen. <laughs> Essentially, what happened is the pitcher was winding up and kind of like tripped a little bit. But if you, like, once you've begun your wind-up in baseball, if you stop it, it's a balk, and everybody gets to advance a base. Um, so he just sort of, like, shot-putted the ball forward a little bit. Oh, that's so amazing. Called a balk. And the guy who was at the bat um, did, like, a sarcastic swing, even <laughs> though the ball was, like, 20 feet from him. And the umpire called it a strike, and it was his third strike, and he got he got out. It's really oh, good. I'm hell yeah. Now it's so good. Is it? Is it Binghamton? It's Hartford versus Binghamton Hartford as a team? Binghamton, I guess, yeah. I see, it's like abbreviated in the box score, so it says Bingha, B-I-N-G-H-A. Yeah. Yeah. Binghamton, New York? or I, I mean, do they have a minor league baseball team? It I mean, Hartford. I feel like all those sad New York towns pretty much all have minor league baseball teams, yeah. Make room for sports. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah, that's amazing. It's the, one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. That is delightful. Really I love cool. the idea of doing like an ironic swing. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh yeah, it's great because it's like it has the ironic swing, which is a hilarious response to a thing. But then it also has like that meanness. The the mean gesture is punished by the umpire, who's like, "Not on my, not on my field, young man." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, it's uh, really good. Okay, well, we'll uh, we'll the listeners uh, should uh, should become viewers of that. Um, it's it's good stuff. Uh, is that is that it for your plays, Mike? I mean, I have like a hundred more, but I think that's good. Oh, wow. For- Oh, yeah. wow. I mean, you can, I mean, look, we've, we've got nothing to fill but time. Actually, we probably don't. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll move on. Uh, I, and okay, I, need, we'll, I need at least 20 minutes to do my Beards review at the end. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, then, then we'll, we'll move quick. So um, I have two plays of the week. Uh, the first one was J.R. Smith uh, in Game 5, uh, which was a boring game, and I didn't like it. But I did like when he uh, got knocked into the stands and licked beer off his arm. Like in a really confusing <laughs> way, like like he so someone spilled their beer on him and he's like stumbled out of the stands and he's like sniffing at his arm in this weird way and then he like tastes it on his like palm and oh. he, as if to be like okay yeah it's beer as if to be like and it's just like I mean I guess he was just confirming that it wasn't like a a, a cup of urine, um, <laughs> but I mean I thought it was like a really cool kind of classy way to like deal with that and then he and then he kind of took a little break and toweled off and randomly that led me to um i just watched it it's really good to research the 2004 pacers pistons brawl oh yeah that's uh, um because i was like trying to like because i watched this and then i couldn't remember the details of it and so before this podcast i was trying to google like beer spilled and uh ron artest aka uh, meta world meta world peace (laughs) the malice at the palace yes um that is a delightful fight Oh, I find it so sad. But yeah, go on. It's really sad. That represents like the low point in like our lifetime of basketball watching. Okay, well, that's I feel absolutely like all, of, all of the joy we take in in like how good natured the NBA is and all the charity they do might start there. Like it that's might start. Really, with the NBA have, that's a really good point, Dave. That's a really might, good point. Because after that, the NBA's image was like was like in the gutter. Like it was like the end of the Michael Jordan years. It was like where is this league going? You know, it was totally racist um, impression yeah. of the league. But at that point, they really felt they had to clean up. But sorry, I'm. I'm Stealing your play of the week thunder. Well, I'm going to disagree. I think this is the best thing that's ever happened in sports because um, I'm watching the I watched the full video of it and it's hilarious. And um, and I like the idea also that uh, our test uh, changed his name afterward to Meta World Peace. Um, yeah. But I when so you'd said that before, Dave. I think on the on the podcast you'd said Meta World Peace, and I in my mind I saw it as M E T A like world peace that's about world peace uh, <laughs> like postmodern world peace and right. i was like oh meta world peace like that's pretty clever um <laughs> that's like, actually what i always thought it is what is it actually no like meta is like some uh, buddhist word that means like also uh, uh world peace i think that's funny yeah, <laughs> well, i wonder how many that, people think that well the ironic thing is i guess is it is both meta and meta world peace and that i think meta just kind of means like world peace so it's world peace world peace or something it, oh no i'm sorry <laughs> I'm going to be a uh, fact check on myself. Um, loving kindness. Uh, yeah, exactly. Loving kindness and friendliness towards all, uh, uh. which is very different from world peace. Because um, you could have world peace and still hate everyone. It just You're just being passive. Um, That's part of why I find it so sad, though, because I, I think uh, Ron Artest actually has a good heart, but oh, just uh, he has, seems, like, mental health issues. He seems like a nice... Well, I mean, like, look, I mean, from the fight, I mean, he, he, uh, he got shoved really hard in the neck it looked like was the no fir- question was the first the first strike against him looked like he got actually punched in the windpipe almost and um 
you know, you, I mean, I, and then someone throws, then he, he gets in a brawl with, like, the guy who punched him in the throat, and then someone throws it. I mean, I think you just kind of go into fight-or-flight mode in a situation like that, and I don't, I don't blame anyone for a... First of all, I just, I don't blame anyone who wants to jump in the stands and beat up a fan for any but reason. He got, <laughs> but he got suspended for an entire season for that. Yeah, and fined $5 million, yeah. which is yeah. insane. I mean, I the mean, things these guys have to endure, the things fans are allowed to scream at these guys is like, well, it's what, really awful. What are the rules for that? And, and I mean, I guess it varies from stadium to stadium because there was an incident um, in Boston recently, which I think we talked about, where they were, uh, the fans were shouting racist things at an outfielder. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, it, it feels... Um, it feels like fan trickery is allowed up to a certain point, you know, to like like lower the morale of the visiting team. But at what point does it become like something where the stadium it, intervenes? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, basketball is unique because it's the sport where the fans are closest to the action and like they have the closest access to the players. Um, you get a kind of in baseball if you like have really good seats, you can be close to like first base or third base or the outfielders but not like in basketball where like you have such easy access and can yell as far as i know like there are very few laws that govern what fans can do it's actually it bums me out all the time it, it seems like it's fan regulated but it's also like you know like like so many kind of things that uh that are troubling about humans and our culture and stuff it's like <laughs> yeah. the, the worst people tend to be the loudest and because they're the loudest, the nice people are like, well, maybe they're in the majority. Uh, right. I guess I'm not going to like tell them to shut up because because uh, I'll get beat up. And and so it is like it's like a loud, like the kind of um, political symptom that we occasionally had of, of a very vocal, like yeah. asshole minority kind of leading the discourse. Yeah, um, I think yeah. happens in a weird kind of microcosmic way in baseball stadiums where it's like some loud asshole is yeah. being a dick and nobody wants to tell him to shut up because they're like, well, maybe. Maybe everyone here is is on that guy's side. It really sucks. It's kind of like everything because that's you know like internet comments also. Oh yeah, it's like totally dominated by assholes. Yeah. Like, but if you look at like the numbers on any YouTube video, like it's definitely like way less than one percent of the people who have watched the YouTube video who are being assholes. But like that's mostly what you see. Well, if I can get a little um, personal, guys, a little personal on the pod. Oh yeah, let's get. Oh, pers- we, have, oh. we have a drop for that. Oh we yeah. oh okay. Yeah, well, hopefully, Mikael will put it in because i don't want to um but no i mean like uh i mean this isn't actually even personal uh but it's a thing it's it's somewhat of a thing for sure in hollywood where like many you know fans have kind of realized that they can create these kind of mini controversies online and hollywood will take basically like you know a lot of attention so it's very easy uh like gamergate you know was just a couple thousand people you know but it absolutely was like a big story uh even though um Ultimately, really nothing ever came of it except that, like, people got annoyed at a bunch of kind of weird gamers. Um, What's Gamergate? Uh, there's no real reason you should know about this, but it was a okay. it was a miniature controversy that uh, its its advocates claimed was about ethics in gaming journalism. Essentially, that they believed that um, a like I don't know a gaming rev- a, like a journalist or a gaming review site was like sleeping with a female game designer, and therefore his site gave her game a positive review, but it, it really was um, kind of a weird movement um, about, like, uh, kind of against a systemic thing to make games more feminist. Um, it was perceived that there was, like, a feminist movement in gaming, and, the, and Gamergate was, like, the backlash against that. 
It's basically, yeah. Dave, like the group that it just coalesced around like men's rights, red pill. Yeah, I was y- just thinking, yeah. yeah. Yeah, completely. It's completely in that circle. And so, but, um, but conversely, you know, you have these kind of weird miniature controversies that pop up every week. And because um, websites need content, like they need to post, you know, a clickbait article every five seconds or they'll lose their traffic to like a competitor website these internet comments are taken much more seriously than they should be and amplified. So it's really, we've never lived in a time where like just a couple idiots uh, can really not only reach, you know, millions of people, but can actually uh, implement change. And it's, and as a filmmaker, I'm constantly kind of um, talking to people and trying to remind people that it's like the people that actually see our films are not the people that are necessarily tweeting angry things at us. That's why Dave won't even sign up for Wi-Fi because he doesn't want to participate in this well, culture. And I really respect <laughs> that about Dave. Like, yeah. like it's it's like yeah, he's, he's pure. Got a he's lot of pure. integrity. But no, I mean it's true. It's like you like one hundred percent of the people I hear from about a film might be like might have one opinion, but that represents like a dozen people, and all the people who like kind of liked it the way that I like movies, they don't feel compelled to tweet mean things at me. But it's very easy to look at like the discourse. Uh, and just be like, this is this is the collective opinion. Um, so I don't know. It's it's it's. I mean, yeah, it's it's true. You have to kind of always be reminding yourself that like the vast majority of people uh, are decent and normal, and therefore are not commenting on the internet. <laughs> Can I say something about um, Meta World Peace? Yeah, and and I do. I feel like I was building up to a better point than that, but I, I, maybe while you talk, I'll think of what it was. I'm um, just like in my role as Mikkel's Mikkel's proxy today. Mm. I'm gonna like I'm gonna interrupt you before you get to your uh, concluding thought. No, I mean I go, definitely that was definitely more than enough time earlier. on me talking about um, movies. So. Dave, do you remember World Be Free? Oh yeah, he's a basketball he player too, a, right? Yeah, he was a player in the '70s. He was on the Sixers. I think he did. I think I feel like he maybe started and ended his career in the Sixers or uh, on the yeah, Sixers. And I feel like the Meta World Peace moniker was like probably like a shout out to him. Or, I think know. so. Yeah, yeah. But he he changed his name to. I guess maybe his middle name was always a, a B word. But um, yeah, World Be Free. I think is an even better name than than Meta World Peace. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's well, it. I definitely can't remember my point, but I did remember that I had another play of the week. Oh, oh good. good. Uh, Ennis Cantor? Is that how you pronounce this? Uh, uh, my play of the week. Oh, okay. Well, why don't you do it, Dave? No, no, no. I'm sorry. You do it. Uh, literally, I mean, you know, I, I, I just really liked that, uh, you know, he's he's been beefing with the Turkish government uh, with good reason, um, because uh, they're one of those governments that may actually be worse than ours. And um, I just really liked that he tweeted, uh, you can't catch me. <laughs> I thought that was, like, super <laughs> cool. Like, that's a super cool... Uh, he t- They issued an arrest warrant for him, so, reportedly... And his response was just like, you can't catch me. And I thought that was uh, super cool. I thought that was a classy play. Careful, um, man. A lot of a lot of, uh, a lot lot of of flights to Europe connect in Istanbul, so this thing's going public. Uh, yeah, I mean, but then I'll just, uh, then I'll just retweet his tweet. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, no, look, I mean, you know, I mean. I was kidding, but yeah. I, I think, um, I remember reading a bunch of articles about why I'm mad at Turkey, but I can't remember them today. 
Oh, dude, yeah, Turkey is really repressive. But I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you were like, uh, maybe one of the one the only governments that's worse than ours. I would say no. I would say our government is like definitely worse. Like we definitely inflict more like carnage and human suffering around well, the globe than Turkey. Like, but no question. They, yeah, I mean, they're true. probably more oppressive towards their own citizenry. But even when I say that, I have to stop and say no. That's probably not true either. Like, I don't know what their figures are of like gunning down their own people, like law enforcement, um, killing their own unar- unarmed people. So probably pretty high based on the fact that they kind of had this uprising recently yeah turkey's also much smaller than us geographically so i think like per mile they're probably worse than us i think it's probably better when we talk uh ignorantly about sports than when we talk ignorantly about world politics i don't know i don't think you're giving us enough credit here simon i think we're (laughs) well no i don't want to shut us down i'm just saying like i can't remember well look I, i first of all i totally agree with dave but uh but yeah, it's like it's like if Turkey had our like trillion dollar defense budget, maybe they'd be as bad as we are or worse. It's like that's my campaign slogan. <laughs> oh wait, weren't we gonna run for president? Dave and I are Dave and I are announcing uh, competi- oh, yeah. competing presidential oh, right. campaigns for so twenty twenty. Mikel and I are gonna. Sorry, God. I think we were about to say the same thing. I was wondering if we had to draft. Like figure out who gets to pick a VP first from Mike and Mikel. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking in this. I was actually thinking similarly, but I was thinking Mikel and I will be your respective campaign managers. Oh, hmm. But is that a conflict of interest? Uh, yes. If you're both working for both our campaigns. No, no. We'll each pick one. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Well. Oh, so uh, you guys get to pick. I thought Simon and I got the draft. <laughs> well, I don't know how it works normally, though. I am reading. Um, I've been reading that book, uh, Shattered, about uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign. Um, and uh, it's not very well written. Um, it's not a very good book, but it is. I'm like um, really, yeah. I'm really like. Uh, I'm. 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 I am. Uh, I'm at a loss for words. You're surprised <laughs> that I'm reading that. Yeah, I'm really surprised that you're reading that. Yeah. Well, I start. Well, to be fair, I I pick, I bought it. Uh, I bought it like a couple weeks ago when it first came out because I was really curious about it, and then I read like, I think I got like 50 pages in, and then I haven't. Uh, I've been busy, so I haven't finished it. But um, it's like we're at such a weird time in our culture where like there's nothing more to learn about anything because we like receive all news within like 30 seconds of when it's happening. So like, what could a book like that even tell us that we don't know? I'm glad you asked because that is why I read it, uh, or that why I picked it up is because I did. Um, as much as I do think uh, my brain is being given way too much information about politics at any given second that I'm online. Um, or like just people's bad opinions about politics because I guess actually learning about politics is always good. But um, no, I kind of was more interested less in um, what I knew, but kind of just um, how the Democratic Party works um, within its own system because that yeah. is something that's actually fairly mysterious to me. Yeah, um, and, and I mean, the Republican Party is is... Both parties are obviously disastrous train wrecks um, with fairly similar, ultimately, like, like fairly similar policies in some ways. Um, one is worse than the other, um, and that's the political theater that keeps us um, clawing at each other's throats until um, we're all uh, extinguished um, by starvation and so on. But, um, but I was kind of just flat out curious about how the Democratic Party functions, because it's not like... Um, it's not a party that seemingly has much of an agenda other than like Republicans are bad. So that was why I, I, you know, I mean, I sound like I'm being, um, I don't know, flippant or something here, but I actually genuinely purchased this book because I was like, I want to know more about how like 
the kind of nuts and bolts of putting together a political campaign in modern America with like the internet and social media and stuff. Cause I've read obviously a lot about like, I mean, I've read like Robert Caro's uh, biographies of Lyndon Johnson and stuff, but I like, I wanted to read about a modern political campaign, especially like Hillary Clinton's, which was all about like, here's I'm chilling in Cedar Rapids, like Snapchat campaign. Yeah, I was going to say, I, th- I feel like the Hillary Clinton campaign wants to read that, too, about how to put together a modern campaign that actually works. <laughs> well, Fuck. yeah. Well, no. I mean, to be clear, I, 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 I'm aware that I'm not reading about a successful campaign. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the compelling thing about it is, is it is like, um, you know, you, it is a slow motion train wreck, which is always kind of enjoyable uh, if it weren't for the fact that it's, um, you know, going to destroy the world. Um, but, uh, that said, I did just, yeah, I'm just kind of curious about like the choices that were made, like in terms of, um, where she campaigned and how she campaigned and so on. So I'm, I don't know. I, I just decided to read it. Uh, and it's actually like, as, as much as I can't really in clear conscience recommend it, um, it's pretty compelling. Um, and it is just like, it's like the, the authors are people who wrote, uh, what's the word? Ha- hagiography? Hagi- ha- how do you say that, Mike? How do you say uh, the word? Hagiography. I think hagiography. They wrote like um, a biography of Hillary Clinton's uh, time in the Senate, like like three years ago. That was basically, uh, you know, kind of actually critically lambasted um, as being kind of a uh, just promotional piece for her presidential run. Right. So these are reporters who actually had, I think, legitimate access. Now, because they were the kind of hack reporters who would have that kind of access, their writing is very bad. Right. Um, and they're the kind of people who would be invited into the inner circle of the Hogan campaign, which is to say they don't have, I think, any interesting opinions on anything. But uh, it, it, you still get that kind of like, this is a like, this person wouldn't email this person because they were mad at each other. And because of that, this happened. And it is like, wow okay so it is just like it's just as it's basically like the democratic party runs like us trying to schedule a podcast recording yeah and, i think uh, it might be very similar i find that like pretty intriguing um hey, we never voted on plays of the week uh no we didn't uh but mike's um mike's baseball one's hard to beat that's true yeah but yeah i vote for that um how are we doing on time uh we could wrap it up honestly now if we wanted to so let's jump into your beard thing <laughs> All right. This is like totally breaking news. Okay. I have a new prediction for the NBA Finals based solely on the facial hair of the two teams. Oh wow! Can we can we make it into some kind of game where we have to I don't know guess or something? Yeah. Let's see. Based on something. Well, yeah. I, I all right. So yeah, Dave. Um, you tell me who I think now is going to win, and I'll give you one hint, which is like what I've noticed about the facial hair of these two teams is so obvious that it's been hiding in plain sight and it so clearly reveals who's going to win the finals i think you're going Cavs. uh-huh i am yeah okay um, that was that was a good game good game guys <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so it's actually really simple and I, I typed up brief summaries on the outline of um of the starting five for both teams and i didn't realize this so i was like kind of going through them in order and I, I looked at lebron first he has i think the strangest beard actually of all 10 guys he has like a chin strap and i yeah. read online, it's also sometimes called a lincoln so like I just, <laughs> I just i googled like beard with no mustache i didn't know that was a thing so but it's a nice full beard right i think kyrie irving actually has the best beard of all on both teams oh, like i didn't that. even notice he had one um when he has one i don't know if he has one like currently and I, it was hard for me to remember i was trying to look at the most recent pictures but yeah he has like a I, solid serviceable beard when he has one it's like full he doesn't like 
do a whole lot of trimming and like carving shapes into his face, which is kind of where I'm going with this. Um, Kevin Love, my theory is he's got a decent beard. I think he might be one of these guys that's actually like too handsome to have a beard because he looks way better without one than with one. I think mm. like the beard covers up the jawline and the, the cheekbones in a way that doesn't help him. Um, Tristan Thompson, I forget what I noticed, but it just says pretty good beard. So I'm going to stick with that analysis. Um, J.R. Smith has um, the worst beard, the worst beard, the worst beard of all the starting calves, um, still not as bad as any of the Warriors beard. In other words, the worst beard on the calves is still better than the um, the worst beard on the warrior. Like he couldn't he couldn't crack the um, starting line. Right. The starting is, line. Yeah, this right. is similar to last week's. Like, right. Could anyone on the, could any player I, I on the Celtics? Yeah. Line, so like yeah. not one warrior could make the Cavs starting five beards. Uh. All right. So here we go with the Warriors. I'm going to go in opposite order from the uh, from the outline. So Zaza Pachulia doesn't have a beard, but fucking should because his face is so weird and he should cover it up. Mm. Um, Draymond, I don't think usually has a beard. Draymond Green, um, when he does, it's a, a goatee, kind of like not a big deal, not that great. Kevin right. Durant, I think worst worst goatee oh, in professional sports. Yeah, it's so gross that scrap. Without a doubt, sense. it's like just this disgusting, disgusting, uh, like hairy goatee. It's, it's like too a, it's long. Like, it's, like, it's like a goat. It looks like when a goat just has that scraggly, nasty thing yeah. hanging from its chin, and he like combs it out so that it it almost like runs parallel to the ground. Uh, yeah, I associate that with like teenage hippies and that kind of look. Yeah, super bad. Uh, Clay Thompson, famously bad goatee. Mm. Horrible. Uh, enough said about that. Steph Curry. I did some research today. We've all been making fun of his attempt to grow a full beard in the past month or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out his wife asked him to grow that beard. So. Um. Well, I don't know if that changes our analysis or not. Well, that's not what it says here on your outline. It says he grew it out for his wife, which implies to me that maybe he was mad at her. And he wanted to taunt her uh, with right. like by forcing her to look at like this awful beard for like yeah. all of 2017. So and did, that, she asked that, him I, to grow a beard. Like, well, like, no, I like I like yours better. In which case, like we're all Steph Curry's wives because we're all taunted uh, by his horrible beard. I thought you were going to say we are all Steph Curry's beard. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, yeah. uh, well, no, I do wonder. Um, I mean, so let's say hypothetically that the straightforward interpretation of this is correct. And she was like, I think you'd look good in a beard, honey. Grow out your beard. At what point does she say to him, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Like, I, this isn't going well. uh, And it's my fault. It's not your fault. Uh, I didn't know. Yeah, that's the central, like, genetic design flaw of romantic love. Well, uh, I, I, well, by the way. I'm way ahead of this analysis. There's no chance the Warriors are going to beat the Cavaliers based on many factors, but mostly just their facial hair. Okay, but I didn't even deliver the the actual conclusion, which is this. The Warriors essentially have the facial hair of a baseball team. They all have these, like, really, um, like, fussy... Um, like beards that require all this maintenance and they're always like carving shapes. They all have these terrible goatees, right? Um, the calves have these very like swaggering devil may care full beards. Mm. And like, I think that really, I think that really means something. I really do. And I think it, it, it explains so much about why the Warriors haven't been as fun for me this year um, <laughs> as last year. Well, yeah, they're a broken team. Um, it just doesn't work anymore. And they added the worst beard in the league. Everyone thinks they added the best player, but everyone ignored what came in 
side window when no one was looking, which is they also signed the worst beard in pro sports. Yeah, that's that's a that's a common error in uh, in sports is is not looking at the whole picture. Uh-huh. So that's it. Cavs in seven. That's it. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna say based on um, how many games are there total. Let's, they gotta let's, win four. Okay, I'm gonna say Cavs in six. I'm gonna say Cavs in six. Yeah. Wow! Wow! Yeah. I mean, there's just no way. There's just no way. Uh, all right, guys, let's wrap it up there. Um, next um, next week, we'll have uh, Mikhail back on. Maybe another guest. Maybe Mikhail won't be there. Who knows? Uh, and uh, we can um, we can get to some of your burning listener questions, such as why are you doing this podcast? When will you quit doing this podcast? Um, <laughs> and uh, and we'll and we'll, when is the when is the championship over? When will we know if our predictions our bold well, predictions st- were correct? It starts on the first. Okay. Uh, so I'd imagine it's over within two weeks of that. Yeah. Okay, so we won't we won't have an answer for you on that particular issue quite yet, listeners. Uh, it'll take a little while, a little longer. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to talk really quickly about how uh, women's softball pitchers pitch, uh, and but oh. yeah, I think we're out of time. You okay. just talked about it. You talked yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, it's really cool. It's, I like the wind up. It, I think it's interesting. They get a lot of torque. I think it would also give you rotator cuff issues in the long run. Mm. Yeah. The Dave, finals could go until June 18th. That would be game seven. Oh, okay. Well, but they won't because it's only going to be six. I agree. Okay. Yeah. June 15th. All right. June 15th, folks. We'll, uh, you'll, you, you heard it here first. Um, and, and by the way, all bets are off if uh, the Warriors like have some dignity and just like shave their faces and you know give themselves <laughs> little mustaches. And Actually, if the Warriors all came out game one and they all have little mustaches and it was like this whole long con that they were playing where they've just been growing out their right. awful facial hair just so they could all have mustaches right. for the championship, I completely revised my, my prediction to Warriors in four. But it just goes to show you like how far the Warriors would have to go in order to win. Yeah, that's true. They'd really like, have to... That, they'd, yeah, they'd, that's the extent of the disadvantage they're at. They'd have to change up their whole gameplay, which is like, like go from goatees to mustaches. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, good night. All right. Bye. Hey, it's Round of Floor Sports! Sports! Really entertaining. Sports! 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 Everyone,